let's pray and let's get into the Bible and we'll get into our series and see how far we can get. And we're going to jump in. Look at your neighbor and say, you can have a super marriage. It's going to be awesome. Father, we thank you for your word today. We just thank you that you cause it to go in our hearts and bear fruit, according to Colossians chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. Lord, I thank you, Romans chapter 1 and verse 11, for a mighty impartation this morning. I believe you've given me some things to say. I believe you've encouraged my heart with your word, and I just thank you that your people are here and and you've gathered these people to hear from heaven. Thank you, Luke chapter 24 and verse 32, that your word burns in our heart as we hear about you, as we open the scriptures, and we just thank you for it in the name of the Lord Jesus, our best friend. And if you agree, would you say, come on, preach. We are starting the best new series in the history of our church. Somebody say, God bless you to Gabby. (laughs) That was the best job at hiding a sneeze I've ever heard. We are launching our our best new series in the history of the church today called Super Marriage because your story can have a happy ending. Now, I know in this room, we have a mixed group of people. We have those of you that are single. Come on, all the single folks in the house, raise your hand. Come on, it's not a disease. Come on, amen. Come on, you might get a date. Put your hand up high, amen. We got one proud single folk in the house here today. Whether you are single or whether you are married or whether you are divorced or whether you are uh, widowed or never you plan on getting married again, you will be helped by this series. So many times we come to church and we want to see what's in it for me. And and I, I get that. We should do that. But we also need to think, I'm going to tuck these truths in my heart. And if you are uh, not married, have no ambition to be married, you may know someone at some point that can grow in, in the things of God in their marriage. And so how about we take these truths, we put them in our heart, and we help other people. We are blessed to be a blessing. I know Samantha, our sweet little newlywed up here on the front, has it been a year yet? Is it about eight, nine months? So so they're still in the honeymoon phase and honeymoon stage. And then you got folks like George and Rita who's been married like 30 five years. So we've got folks all over the span in this house today. So if you are single, this will give you vision for your future. If your marriage is on the rocks, if your marriage is bumpy, or if you've had a failed marriage, this will give you hope for the future, and this will give us all some things to look at. You can have a super marriage. So proud of Jazz. Jazz is really supporting the sermon today. Take a look at her awesome Superman jacket. And so she's all in, praise God. I don't think she knew we were preaching on this today, but she's all in. And so we really want to have a super marriage because your story can have a happy ending. Now, this is Valentine's Day. Love is in the air. How many of you are shocked to find out today is Valentine's Day? And anybody forget? My wife and I, we are not really buying gifts this year. My gift to her is the gift of time. How many of you know when you're a mama with three kids, soon to be four, you don't get a lot of time to yourself? So I volunteered to keep all three of my children. Uh, one she has to keep because it is with her always. <laughs> Can't keep that one yet. But I'm going to watch all three of my kids, either this afternoon or maybe Tuesday, depending on the weather. And she's going to go shopping all by herself. How many know I need to put a limit on the debit card that day? But that is my gift to her. And, and we kept asking each other. We kept saying, no, you didn't buy anything, right? You didn't because, you know, we get sneaky and we, we sometimes I do that. But that's, that's my gift to her this week. And so happy Valentine's Day to everybody in the house. 
Now, how many of you know Valentine's Day is filled with roses and love and, and, you know, little commercials about Cupid and everybody trying to express love, but Valentine's Day can also be a real sore spot because if you've had a bad marriage or if you're in a rocky marriage or had some bad relationships, then Valentine's Day can, can be a, a point of hurt and be a point of pain. And so today we don't want to put more pain on you. We want to help you and encourage you. How many know that Satan is after marriage? Has anybody noticed Satan is after marriage? I got a little revelation this this week, Matthew, uh, just over praying over this series. The reason Satan is after marriage is because he's after the family. Now, I want you to get this. It's not so much your marriage that he's after, but he really is after God the Father. I want you to think about this. Who invented the family? God the Father. How do we know he's pro-family? God the Father. He could have just said, I'm God, but he chose to reveal himself as God the Father, through His one Son, Jesus. God is pro-family. Look at your neighbor and say, God is pro-family. Just tell him, God is pro-family. And so God is pro-marriage. And so if I am a child of God and it is my uh, lot in life to be married, how many know not everybody gets married? Not everybody is married. Not everybody's called to be married. And that's not a problem. That's not a bad thing. But if God calls you to be married, He puts over your life the calling for a super marriage. And God loves me. God created marriage. God wants me to have a super marriage. And if Satan can attack my family, and if Satan can attack my marriage, then he is actually taking a shot at God the Father because God loves me and he wants me to have a super marriage, which is why he gave me a really awesome wife. Can I have an amen? Yeah, there we got a couple of fans in the house. I'll, I'll pay you later. Praise God. But that's why God gave me a really great wife, because he loves me, wants me to have a great marriage. But let me give you this PowerPoint for life. Even though my wife is wonderful and her husband is really wonderful. Can I have an amen? I remind her sometimes just how good she's got it. I'm just, it's the other way around. That's actually one of my points, what not to do. But a great marriage is worth the investment. We've been married now a little bit over 10 years. We've been together for 15 years. So I'm not, I'm not coming to you as a, as just a newlywed with no experience, but I'm also not coming to you with 30 plus years of experience. What I'm really coming to you with today is, is my experience from the Bible. And a great marriage is worth the investment. You have to continually invest in a marriage for it to be super. And if you have any kind of yard or any kind of lawn or any kind of garden at home, how many of you realize you have to mess with that lawn every single week in the summer? We have landscaping. And man, I spent all this time and all this money, all this energy and all this effort redoing all my landscaping. And I was so proud. And I put that picture up, put it on the internet. I was like, look at me. I'm the landscape hero. And then like six weeks later, it was like, this does not look like what I did just a few weeks ago. I, I forgot that you have to actually get back in there and mess with the grass and I didn't want to do that. I wanted to put the time in one time and be done. But after a few weeks, my beautiful landscaping was not quite so pretty. That's what happens to our marriage. It is a continual investment. Uh, if, if you could ask George and Rita, who's been married 30-something plus years, they would tell you. If you've been married longer than a day, you have to realize that marriage is an investment. My wife and I have a great marriage, but it's not just by accident. It doesn't just happen. So I'm going to share some principles with you over these next few weeks that can help us all have a super marriage. So let's jump in. We're going to give you nine simple steps, 
Nine simple steps for a super marriage. Are you ready? Anybody excited? We're not going to do nine today, but we're just going to do one or two. Now, these statements are so simple. Everybody say, so simple. Don't miss the profundity of this message because of the simplicity. I practiced that word just for Susan, and she's not even here. <laughs> so you'll have, to, you'll have to tell her. But don't miss how profound these statements are because they are so simple. Sometimes we make things too complicated, and we miss the powerful because we try to look for something deep or try to look for something complicated. So I'm going to give you nine simple steps. Wherever you are, if you're single or married, if your marriage is good, if your marriage is, is bad, if your marriage is on the rocks, if you've been divorced, if, if you're a student in the house and want to get a vision for a good marriage, then you can do these nine simple steps. And over time, somebody say, over time, over time, you will begin to have a super marriage. How many know there's no magic fix? How many know the preacher can't lay hands on you and it fix your marriage? Can I have an amen? I wish it could. Preacher can't lay hands on you and just fix everything. Some things take time. It's like I, I deal with folks during the week that have credit issues, credit problems. Uh, I'm trying to help them get a loan to buy a house. And they get mad at me because I can't, help them. And they're like, well, what can I do to fix this credit score? And sometimes I want to say, you need to die and come back with a new social security number. (laughs) There's just no hope for you. (laughs) I don't say that, but that's what I want to say. But what I try to tell them is I say, well, if you work on this for about a year, you know, we can make some progress. And they get so mad. And I, and I, I do tell them, look, how long did it take you to get into this mess? You've had 22 years of financial irresponsibility. And you want me to fix it for you in 30 days. There's no magic pill. Christians, we're all about microwave Christianity. We want to push the button, dial it in, third John 2, boop, there it is. Out comes blessings and prosperity. But we have to invest and it takes time. Everything is a seed. So God meets us where you are. So my job as a pastor, Jay, my job is to meet you where you are. Put the word of God into you and help you over time grow and become better and grow and become more. And that's what we're going to do through the series. Are you ready? We've got to get in. Number one, the first simple step. Boy, that sounds simple, doesn't it? You got to build your marriage around Jesus. I told you it's simple, but yet this is so profound. I don't know how people in the world actually make it. I don't know how people... Without Christ in their life, I do not know how they survive and how they make it any length of time. I'm telling you this because this is a point of attack. Satan will come into a godly home, a Christian home. He will attack this, and I'm going to give you some real simple things here. He will attack this because this is number one. Somebody say, this is number one because it's number one. But guess what is one of the hardest things to do in your marriage? Build your relationship around Jesus because we have Hollywood telling us how to do marriage. We have all these folks telling you this and that and the other, and we must build our marriage around Jesus. He really does have to be the center of everything we do. Let me give you three building blocks for a Christ-centered home. Isn't that sneaky? Three points under point number one. Three building blocks, as just a little sneaky, three building blocks for a Christ-centered home. Number one, are you ready for this? This is so simple, but don't miss it. Convictions in the house already, Joseph. I can feel it. You ready? You got to love Jesus more than your spouse. 
You got to love, if, if you're Spanish, you got to love Jesus more than your spouse. That's for the Spanish folks in the house. You got to love Jesus more than your spouse. Now, I love Miss Tara. She's a blessing from God, but she has to be number two in my life. Now, this is how I explain it to my kids. I tell my kids that I, that it's a trickle down. I say, I don't love you less. I just love mommy more. Doesn't that make sense? I prioritize my love for my wife over my children because the best thing I can do for my kids is give them a good marriage. And so I love, and, and Ava's getting this. It's so funny. I'll tuck her in at night and, and, and I'll say, who's your favorite daddy? Cause you know, I got a little, you know, helps my ego, you know, who's your favorite daddy? I mean, I'm her only dad, but yet I'm the favorite. She says, well, you're number two. And I'm like, what? She said, you know, and she'll kind of be like, you know, I said, I'll take number two to God, the father, I'll take second spot. And I said, well, who's your favorite earthly daddy? And she'll hug me and she'll say, you are and all that good stuff. So I want you to see the trickle down effect. It's not that I love Tara less. It's just that I love Jesus more. I'm going to tell you a surprise. Okay. My wife here's I'm going to little gossip, little church gossip, put this on Facebook. My wife loves another man more than she loves me. Here's something else for a little Facebook gossip. I love another man more than my wife. I mean, that's a little weird. <laughs> Keep the recording going, Jared. <laughs> His name is Jesus. And this is such a powerful truth. Now, look with me here at Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Don't go out here telling everybody your pastor loves another man more than his wife, okay? Unless you tell him that it is Jesus. Ecclesiastes you can edit that out. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. I need a donut. Man, I've been up since 5 a.m., so I'm, I'm a little wired. I've had coffee. I'm just, I'm ready to go. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. This is not just a scripture about marriage. This has so many principles, but this is so true in your marriage. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. My wife helps me succeed in a tremendous way. You guys, I tell the staff, they only get the good thoughts. They only get the good ideas. She filters everything out. And so by the time it makes it to you guys, it's been through a lot of channels. And so my wife just helps me succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. If Miss Tara falls, she's fallen and she can't get up, she don't have to call Lifeline. I can reach down and help her. If I fall emotionally or, or physically or, or anything, she can be there to help me up. But if someone falls alone, they are in real trouble. Now listen, if you're in this house today and you're single, divorced, not married, then right now let Jesus be a part of your life and let the church be that other part. We can't make up all the things that a spouse can make up, but we can help augment that. And so we can be here, and if you fall, we can help you and pick you up. Now look at verse 11. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be, one be warm alone? I try to share this verse with my wife, but she doesn't like that at night when I put my cold, cold feet up against her leg, and I'm like, well, the Bible says you can keep me warm, and she's, she's not all about that. <laughs> Likewise, two people lying can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? Look at verse 12. This is what I want you to see. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. Let me just say this concerning you and your relationship and your family and what God is doing here at Emmanuel Assembly. We need each other. 
We need each other. We need accountability. We need relationships. You need a local church. I'm not just telling you that to pad the pews and, and pad attendance. I, I hope it's this local church, but you need to be in a local church. I have counseled folks before, and I'm like, look, if you don't like our church, that's fine. If you don't like my jokes, I don't know what your problem is. Something is wrong with you. But if you don't like our church, look, we, we are not the church for everybody. I'm not naive enough to think that. We're, we're a great church for a whole lot of people, but we're not the church for everybody. I understand that. Go where you can get planted and plugged in and invest in relationships. Invest in a local body somewhere that teaches the Bible because the Bible says a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. And we have so many Christians that are out there alone and they are attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Now watch this. So two is better than one. Say two is better than one. But a three-fold cord. Three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Now I have here three pieces of yarn. And this represents me. Everybody say, hello, me. This represents my beautiful wife. Hello, beautiful wife. This represents the Lord Jesus. I could probably rip one of these right now if I had to. I'll just say, I could rip one of these if I had to. You'll never know the difference. But let me get Miss Samantha to help me here. Can you hold one end of those? I'll hold it. Can you twist? Yeah, can you twist? Come on, everybody saying, twist and shout. There we go. Uh, just hold it. Can you hold it up? You fancy braider, you. Okay, now, what I have done, if you can see, can you a little higher here? A little higher? 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 Can you stand on the chair? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. So now what we have done is we've taken three individual cords, and we have made one cord. Now they're inseparable. You can't see me. You can't see Miss Tara, and you can't see Jesus anymore because we are all three together entwined. How about you keep that as a souvenir? That's my souvenir to you. Come on, can we give God thanks for Miss Samantha? That's going to be much harder to break. And so what we want to do, whether it's me and you in the local church with Jesus or whether it's you and your spouse connected to the Lord, a threefold cord is not easily broken. And that's what the message is. That's the whole goal of this. You need to love Jesus more than your spouse. You need to esteem Jesus even higher than you do your spouse. See, there's a problem. Can I speak to all the teenagers in the house? We have a major, major problem because we say things like, oh, my, my spouse just completes me. And again, I'm not, not knocking you. You know, we, oh, well, why do you want to get married? Doing counseling. Why do you want to get married? Oh, they just complete me. You need to stop right there. You need to back up because the Lord Jesus should complete you. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord. Can you say that with me? Rejoice in the Lord. My wife does not make me happy. Now, we are very happily married. We're working towards a happy marriage. But I'm not looking to my marriage for happiness. So many people get so wrapped up. And I'm going to tell you a word here that I felt like the Lord put in my heart. They idolize their spouse. And I'm not stepping on any toes on purpose. But if the toe gets stepped on, let it fall where it does. Romans chapter 1 and verse 25 says there were a people that esteemed the creation of God more than they esteemed the creator. And I see so many young people. Oh, he just completes me. Well, why do you want to get married? Because 
He just makes me so happy. They have never read where Paul says, when you get married, it brings on a whole new set of troubles. If you have troubles before you get married and you get married, it's not going to fix your problems. Can I have an amen from all the married people? If you have problems before you get married, it really just, it accentuates those problems. And so the Apostle Paul talked very clearly about that. So we want a threefold cord. We must put Jesus first. You cannot idolize your spouse. Your spouse cannot be your only source of happiness. You have to first, if you are single, let me see your hand one more time again. It's not a disease. Come on, amen. If you are single, if you do not learn to be madly in love with Jesus and find your happiness and completeness in Jesus, if you don't get that fixed before you step into the marriage, marriage vow and the marriage commitment, it's going to be a very, very long road ahead of you because you don't have your peace and joy in the proper place, in the proper priority. Now, I'm not casting stones at you. I can't do anything about your past. If you have idolized your spouse and every day you get up and there's candles with a picture and all that right there and you're like, oh, sweet thou woman of God. And you know, listen, I'm not talking about your past. That's a little spooky. Don't admit it, okay? No counseling sessions for that. But listen, if if you are idolizing your date or your fiancé or your deal, I mean, there have been, let me, in a, on a serious note, there have been teenagers commit suicide because a girlfriend or a boyfriend broke up with them. There's been adults do that. And, and again, friends, that's serious. We're not teaching people to put their joy and completeness in Jesus. If you're single, you got to be single and satisfied. Be married to Jesus. And you know, that's when God will bring a mate to you. If, if you're not content, I got to be careful here the way I say this. And I have nobody in mind when I say this. Nobody, nobody at all. But if you are following God's plan for your life, I'm going to look at you because you're married. If you're following God's plan for your life and you're single, which you're not, I know Bob is out of commission, but that's not a, you know, you're still, but you're still married. Okay. You still got the ring. Quit interrupting me here. If you're single and you're following God's plan for your life and you're like, you, you almost desire, let me look back at you. You almost, you almost get to the point where you desire a mate and you almost feel like if you don't get a husband or get a wife, like that's going to fix all your problems. You're like, you're, you're missing a part. Now again, my wife, she is awesome. I mean, there's a part of me that she does bring to, you know, completeness to and all that. But if you're following God and you do not, you're married, remember. And if you do not, if you do not learn to be single and wrapped up in Jesus and just seeking Him and so complete your joy in Jesus, until you get that right, God is not going to bring your mate to you. And, and instead of praying for Mr. Right or praying for Mrs. Right, we need to work on becoming Mr. Right. We need to work on becoming Mrs. Right. Because if you are not Mr. Right, God's not going to bring Mrs. Right to you. God's not going to give his best to some turkey. Can I have an amen? That's good wisdom. Amen. So if you want the best, you must work on becoming Mr. Right, becoming Mrs. Right. Be so complete and wrapped up in Jesus. Don't idolize your spouse. And that's one way that we can take a step towards putting Jesus first. Look at number two, the second building block for a Christ-centered home is you need to go to church together. Go to church together. And I want to be sensitive here because I know we've got mixed company. But stats show that couples that regularly attend church together 
have a much higher chance of a happy marriage and have a much less chance of getting divorced. Because I love people, if I didn't care about you or care about people, I would not do this. But because I love people and care about people, I have counseled with people, especially ladies, where their husband doesn't want to go to maybe, let's say, this church. And they want to go to another church. And I will tell them, and I love you, man, I want everybody that can to come to our church. But because I love you and because I love people, it would be, I have seen woman go to church A and man go to church B. And again, I have nobody in mind when I'm saying this, but if you come to me and talk to me about it and you're like, I don't know what to do. My husband is just wanting to go to this church. I'm going to tell you in love, if your husband will go to that church, you need to go to that church. Now, I have seen it where the husband says he wants to go to this church, and he means he wants to go on Christmas and Easter. (laughs) That's not what I'm talking about. But if your spouse or your wife or your husband, the Bible says, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? You need to be in church together. If I had to pick, I want it to be this church, but I would rather you go to church with your husband or rather you go to church with your wife if they will go and if they will get plugged in and if they will commit. And then we'll just trust God to change their heart, to bring them back here. Can I have an amen? Yeah, come on. Let's give God thanks. Now, a lot of pastors won't do that because they're just, they're not, they don't care about people. Uh, let me say this here. Everybody say, he's not talking to me. Unless he's talking to me. Now, I'm not talking about your past. Okay? We can only look forward. You ready? If you're not married in this house, I got a word from the Lord for you. You ready? Never marry someone that is not committed to church. Well, they're a Christian. The proof that we are Christ followers is that we want to be connected to his body. The last time I checked, and according when Pastor Randy was teaching last week, the Bible says the body of Christ, we are now the body of Christ. I meet young people, and they're dating these people, and they're a Christian seeking God. And I'm like, well, tell me about them. Are they a Christian? Yeah, they're a Christian. Where do they go to church? Well, they were going here, now they don't know. And I'm not talking about somebody in between churches. I'm not, but if you are in this house today, please, Bryce, please hear me, my main man. Johnson, please hear me. Trey, please hear me. Jonathan, please hear my heart. Madison, please hear me. Victoria, please, please hear me. Joseph in the back, please hear me. Nathan, you guys, please, please hear me. Elijah, please hear me. Michael, please hear me. Miss Sarah, please hear me. Anybody else? Brandon, please hear me. I mean this with all my heart. You're not called to be a missionary dater. You're not called to get them saved. Well, if I date them, then we'll lead them to Jesus. No, they will lead you astray nine times out of ten. Ninety-nine out of a hundred, they will pull you away and lead you away. Please don't even date anybody that's not sold out and committed to church. Just don't do it. Well, they love Jesus. Well, we're the Bible says faith has actions. We shall know them by their fruit. And I just have a problem with somebody that says they're a Christ follower, but they don't ever want to go to church. Now, I know there's some bad churches. I get it. But we need to be around the body of Christ. So don't ever marry anybody that's not plugged in and committed to church. You get them plugged in and committed and you see fruit for about a year. I'm telling you, I'm just, I'm just, hey, I'm just a UPS boy. You don't have to sign for the package. Amen. Don't, hey, two weeks. Well, how long have they been going to church? About two weeks. You give it some time. (laughs) It's easier to play catch up than clean up. Can I have an amen? Amen. 
Now, I know this is marriage to all the married people, but that was just for the single people in the house. So look at Psalm 92 and verse 13. Psalm 92 and 13 says this. Be planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. Be planted in the local church. Look at verse 14. They will still yield fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap and very green. Tell your neighbor, say, you're full of sap <laughs> in a good kind of way. I've been wanting to do that all week, Pastor Randy. You're full of sap. Praise God. Hallelujah. Listen, if you want to be full of sap and very green, you need to be planted in the house of the Lord with your spouse. Go to church together. Serve together. Get involved together. Now, don't make it a point of friction, frustration. That goes against what I'm trying to say. All right, number three, third building block. Pray over and with your spouse every day. Pray over and with your spouse every day. First Peter 4 says that when we pray, it actually helps us develop love one for another. I love my wife more. First Peter 4, 7, 8. I love my wife more. The more I pray for my wife, the more I love her. You know, it's the proof that you've forgiven someone that you can pray for them. There are people in my heart that have hurt me and wounded me. And if it's hard for me to get down and pray over them, I have not yet fully forgiven that person. So pray over your spouse. Ephesians 5 says this, verse 24. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. Can I have an amen from all the guys in the house? Come on. Oh, you bunch of weenies, you bunch of chickens. Y'all are chickens. Now watch this. For husbands, verse 25, this means love your wives. It's Christ love the church. Can I have an amen from all the ladies? Okay, I knew that that would happen. And Jesus gave himself up for her, the church. Now Paul's going back and forth between marriage and the church and its relationship. So you have to really watch the dividing lines. Look at verse 26. To make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. And so stats tell us it's just the truth. When, when you pray the Bible over your spouse, spouse, it's like giving her a spiritual bath. It's like giving him a spiritual bath. Find some scriptures. There are scriptures that I pray over Miss Tara all the time. You know what will really help you when you start praying for your spouse? Take five minutes. In, in Miss Tara's case, it's a couple of hours. Take five minutes and thank God for all the good qualities that your mate has. It takes Miss Tara a little while to get through all those good qualities. But when you start praying for your spouse, start out by thanking God for all the great things that they have and all the good qualities that they have. And so you can literally give your husband and wife a spiritual bath by speaking the word over them. So Jared, pull that screen back up there. Let's look at the three building blocks as we love Jesus first, as we build our life around Jesus, love Jesus more than your spouse, go to church together, pray over and with your spouse. Number two, we'll hit this one real quick, and then we've got a very special announcement to get into. Number two, stay committed even in, a, even in tough times. Stay committed even in tough times. I see so many people that just tuck and run. Just, just when things get tough, they just want to run. Like this guy, check out this video. Don't be this guy, I should say. Pack your bags, honey, because I did it. I just won the lottery! Oh my gosh! That's amazing! Yeah, that's right. Well, should I pack for the beach or the mountains? I don't care, just get out! 
<laughs> Come on, how many know you got to stay committed in even tough times? Should I pack for the beach, the mountains? I don't care. Just get out. Hallelujah. We'll pick back up on this next time. We, we want to stay committed even in tough times. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you cause it to grow and bear much fruit. Thank you we've had fun. We've laughed today. But thank you, Lord, we're on our way to having a super, super marriage. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to just give you an opportunity this morning, just real quick, to let this settle in, that God does have a great plan for you. God has such love for you. So if you're in this place this morning and you've never surrendered to God's love, I just want to ask you right now to do that. I want to pray over you. Would you say this morning, would you be honest before the Lord and say, I feel God's love touching my heart, calling me to a higher level, and I want to respond to God's love this morning. Anybody in the house today just feel God's love pulling you, pulling you closer and higher to the Lord? Father, thank you for your people. Thank you that you are loving them and that you're bringing us higher. Thank you for these simple, simple truths that we can have a very, very super marriage. We commit to making Jesus the center of our marriage. We commit to making Jesus the center of our life. And if that's you and you say, I make that commitment today with everybody in this room, I commit to making Jesus the center of my life, would you just slip up your hand? I want to see that all over the room. We're making that commitment today. We make Jesus the center of our life. Amen.